the Spot Track Podcast, talking sports contracts, the salary cap, and business of sports. Welcome to another edition of the Spot Track Podcast. My name is Mike Gennetti, managing editor of SpotTrack.com. Paul and Kevin are on assignment. Scott, the NBA guru, is slinging some turkeys at his kid's school. We're going to be joined today by cousin Dan for a little baseball talk. So any, uh, any baseball fans who have been following this high-flying, exciting Major League Baseball offseason, I'm rolling my eyes. We will get into it. There, there are things to talk about. We're going to do some projections. We're going to get to some sort of team outlooks, right? Not so much who's coming, but who's going and what that might mean and, and what kind of holes that might mean for some of the teams. Uh, we do have some news in terms of a couple of players that were let loose, cut loose to get down to the 40-man rosters that were due last night. And certainly we'll talk some Yankees with the Jacoby Ellsbury situation and, and go on a little bigger picture with that in terms of these big contracts and, and maybe a couple of big contracts three, four years ago that have gotten us to the situation we are, we're in now where you know teams are just flat out afraid. They're afraid to go long-term. They're afraid to go over $100 million. Uh, and when, you, when we talk about some of the names and some of the numbers, I think it might be pretty easy to understand why. But we'll get into all of that. We want to uh, thank our sponsors, presenting sponsors today, Morgan Stanley Global Sports and Entertainment, who believe in empowering all professional athletes and entertainers with the knowledge they need to make informed decisions about finances and their wealth. Learn more, go to morganstanley.com slash GSE, Morgan Stanley Smith Party, LLC, member SIPC. All right, joined by Cousin Dan, back for another baseball discussion. A little off the board this time because, to be frank, there's nothing to talk about in the actual game of baseball right now. Uh, they're really the only major sport right now that has a true offseason where people don't do anything. That's clearly what's happening right now. One notable free agent signing, we'll talk about it a, a little later in the show. Uh, we're going to open with some more substance, though. There's a pretty impactful situation that Rob Manford, the commissioner of baseball, has brought forth in terms of the minor league baseball system and really the structure of it. Uh, Dan, welcome to the show. Before I go, go down the rabbit hole too much on what this is all about, let me ask you this question. Uh, we live in a, in a minor league baseball town in Buffalo, a triple-A town, though. But going down the line a bit, right, into the single A's and even before that, this is a flawed system, right? <laughs> Well, as it currently stands. Yeah, mean? right now. I mean, there's just too much happening. It's the, the game gets so diluted, right? There's too many players to deal with in terms of the major league teams going all the way down. It just seems like this is an antiquated system. Maybe antiquated is a better way to look at it, right? Yeah, um, I I don't I don't necessarily disagree with that. You you if you know reading the article, I just kept thinking how analytics has now affected a totally different side of baseball now in terms of, um, you know, the structure of the leagues and, and the minor league system and how they're going to move forward with that. So, um, yeah, I, I, I agree with you that it is sort of an antiquated system, but, um, I mean, there's definitely going to be some unintended repercussions. I think that that'll negatively impact baseball as a whole, but in terms of, you know, the day-to-day -day running of, um, of, of, these teams and organizations and, you know, what is it? 130 different minor league, minor league teams. Um, I, I think it will, uh, it will help. So well, let's do this. Let's try to split the politics side of it. Cause obviously there's a big political side of it. And Oh, by the way, we're nearing an election year. So that's sure. why you're seeing so much get pumped into the backside of this because on the surface, right from a political standpoint, this isn't about baseball. It's about jobs, right? This is a jobs discussion. If you're going to cut, 42 teams, which I think is what the New York Times reported recently. If you're going to cut 42 franchises, you're going to rip them out of the city. Those are, that's hundreds of jobs. Hundreds, not just the baseball players, but, you know, all the concessions and all the agreements you have with the concessions and, and so forth. You, you can kind of figure out how that's going to, you know, all wind down and trickle down. So there's that, right? There's that left side of it where, you know, it's about job loss. There's a political aspect to it. You're going to see lawsuits in the dozens if this really starts to get inactive, let's stick to the right side of this, the other side of this, the baseball side of this. Basically what's being said here is number one, there's no financial gain in a lot of the teams that are, that are, that are being discussed, right? So there's 42 teams that essentially are, are existing just for the good of baseball, not for the good of the professional team, not for the good of, you know, the business side of it. They're, they're you know, they're dead weight essentially. And I don't mean to, you know, sound crass, but that's essentially what they are from a baseball standpoint. Um, really, this is about 
organizations wanting a better handle on their prospects, right? And I know you're a big prospect guy. You follow, you know, sort of uh, these players' paths up way more than I do. I think way more than a lot of people do. So you have to be in favor of this, right? Some sort of efficiency model that makes it easier to, to, to clear-cut see single-A versus double-A versus triple-A r- rather than having to go all the way back to see where, you know, a third-round pick from 2012 is now, which is not in this traditional system. I just think from that side of it, from the baseball business side of it, right, the structural side of it, there, it makes sense to clean some of this up. Yeah, I definitely think they'll benefit from narrowing it down a little bit and having less some, you know, half season or short season type type leagues out there. Um, On the negative side of that, I mean, you're going to you're going to lose some of these these like success stories like Altuve or Luke Voigt, those guys that Mike Piazza. But that's right. They're so it's so pennies in in the on the dollar, though, right? Oh, totally, totally. And that's why I'm just pointing that out as a very minor facet of this. Um, I mean, the talent will typically win out in the end and they'll still find guys like that. But, um, right. yeah, there, there's definitely going to be a lot less dead weight. Um, you know, the fat will be trimmed in these teams and these organizations and, um, you know, hopefully there's a little bit more control there over, uh, with, with major league baseball too. Uh, reading that they're going to set limits to players in minor league organizations, which in let's, theory should let's stop right should, there, Dan, because that's, okay. that, that was my next point. And I think it's, it's one of the better points in this whole debacle, which it is a debacle now, right? Yes. Right now, you can have as many as you want, right? You, right. Can, you, you can have, you know, guys playing anywhere right now attached to your professional roster. I, 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 that seems antiquated to me. I think there should be a set number, and all teams should have to abide by that. And then from an, from an analytical standpoint, from, from somebody like who runs a site like Spotrack, you know, I, I know exactly where teams should stand, right? I, there's a... There's a there, there's substance to it. It's not just there's guys, you know, hanging out in, in Venezuela that none of us really know about. And then three years later, oh, by the way, here they are. To me, that's just bad for the game anyway. We, everybody should be involved in the same situation, right? Yeah, yeah, pretty much. I, I don't have too much to add there. So. Yeah, I just think that that side of it definitely makes sense. Um, do I want to see 42 baseball teams go away? No. But do I think those 42 baseball teams can probably form some other league? Yes. Right. Right. I mean, right. there's plenty and, and of these college, you know, post-college leagues that exist for scouting purposes. What's to say that, that baseball can't just convert something into that? You know, a shorter season, a more, uh, you know, a more compact but still useful league that isn't directly attached to any professional organization, right? Right. Yeah, I think there might be a little there might be a struggle there for the, these smaller independent type teams to, to be financially stable in that atmosphere. But I know exactly the point you're trying to get at. And it does, it makes sense in in theory, narrowing down this minor league system though, should help smaller market teams that can't necessarily keep up with the Red Sox and the Yankees that have, um, you know, far above the, the proposed limit of minor league players. So, um, you know, in, in, on that, on that level, it should help smaller market teams that already don't have huge minor league systems, you know, even out the playing field with these large market teams. But um, yeah, as a whole, I, I don't think it's going to be negative um, in terms of the the prospect development and evaluation side of things. Dan, do we need class A baseball right now? Um, uh, it's a, it's a, <sighs> I it's mean, a tough question. I mean, look around I, the league, right? I mean, look I mean up, for, the major leagues uh, is full of 20, 19, 20, and 21-year-olds right now, right? Right, yeah. Yeah, so from a from a player development standpoint, I don't necessarily think you're you're really raking a lot of prospects out of those levels. Um, I, I mean, from the personal side, these these teams that are in the middle of nowhere America, they, they do have a indirect, unintended... Um, yeah, they benefit from it. effect on developing baseball in these non, you know, non-major cities. So from that side of things, I, you know, I think trip, like single A baseball is valuable, but in terms of to a organization or a team, is it that valuable in terms of developing prospects? Not, not really. And and it's sort of a two a double edged question because uh, you know this is the the stories of players coming from that low and getting to the show are few and far between, which is fine. So, so the professional team really doesn't benefit much from that class A. Also, 
that ain't a good living, man. <laughs> right. Right. That, I mean, triple A baseball isn't even a great living. It's really not even a solid living. I mean, you know, those guys are eating Subway every day and just sort of hanging on to, you know, do I really want to do this full time or should I go get a job? I mean, that's where that's where a lot of these guys live. So you get down in the single and double A even it's below an entry level salary. You know, I mean, it's it's at the most like eleven hundred a month. Which right. is crazy. A lot of cases, which is a crazy. lot of cases, it's guys trying to, you know, hang on to the last hopes of their careers or, uh, you know, their, their development as a young player. So, um, yeah, no, I totally get that. That's why I don't even want to emphasize too much the whole personal, um, you know, personal small success stories that, that come out of that type thing, because right. it really is few and far between. And, and from, you know, a baseball major league organizational level, none of these teams really are, are going to keep pouring the money into these, these minor league teams based on that notion alone. That's for sure. So, so, so let's get to the, the flip side of this, which is, or the trick, the trickle up of this. So let's say this goes through in a couple of years and you know, professional teams are able to trim some of this fat, which is how they view this right now. Does that mean money coming back up? <laughs> right. I mean, we're in this, sort of three-year, you know, mild freeze in terms of free agency and really all extensions out there. I mean, none of these extensions are blowing us away outside of Mike Trout, but does that really even blow anybody away? You know, I mean, he's, he's a generational player and he got paid. So to me, that's just about right. We're, we're, we're in free agency right now. Obviously, nothing major has happened. I don't expect it to happen until the new year, to be honest. I don't think guys like Garrett Cole even sit down until after the after the 1st of January. So is that going to be a positive here in two years? Or are we going to see money coming back into major league baseball to some degree? Now there's plenty of money here, but it's, it's, it's plateaued and there's analytics to show that it is plateaued. So I don't know. What are your thoughts? Are we, are we going to see major, major contracts in baseball again? Or, or are we at a point now where these kids run the game? You know, that's, this is how teams want to build. They want to build 20 year olds and up, you know, 20 to 26 year olds. And when it comes time to get them their free agency contract, it's going to be, you know, take three fourths of what you thought you were, you were worth or, you know, pack it up. Yeah. I, I guess at a, at a high level, you would, in theory, you would think that the money would trickle back up. Um, I I don't really want to crawl down a wormhole here, but I I would assume that if this goes through the players association is going to have something to say about it. Now, whether that means there's going to be a salary floor or something like that in baseball, um, that is really the only way I would see the money trickling back up into these organizations. I mean, analytics has obviously, you know, taken over sports as a whole, but specifically baseball and baseball seems like really the first sport to commit to not overpaying guys. I mean, of course there's contracts that get paid out still all the time that are over overpaid hmm. for production. It's few but, and far between and, though, Dan, really. Right, exactly. In the last few years, you've seen these, you know, one-dimensional first baseman type DH guys mm-hmm. not get these big contracts. They get a one-year, you know, deal for a, still a decent living. But in terms of what we were seeing four or five years ago, th- those contracts are pretty much gone. I mean, uh, any good young player is typically locked up before they have to move on from an organization. So, on at at face value money should trickle back up, but there's going to be need to be a methodological way for that to happen. Yeah. And I would assume the players association is going to be heavily involved in that. If you're, if you're stripping X amount of players of their career, essentially because of these minor league team contractions, then, you know, they're going to want to see something at, at the higher level. And that's going to, pro- that's going to probably be some sort of guarantee I would think. But, you know, again, I don't want to speculate too much on that side of things, but um, you know, analytics uh, just to get back to that point it's taken over baseball and it's i mean not to downgrade any of these guys but it's been very successful in terms of identifying good players versus bad players or players you should or shouldn't commit to long term it's been pretty pretty accurate at identifying that so i I don't think baseball is all of a sudden going to revert from that just because they shut down some minor league teams and have more money to, to push up um you know into the higher levels, but I, I could totally be wrong on that part. No, it makes a lot of sense. I mean, do you need to look further than, you know, four of the postseason teams from 2019, right? The, the, the Rays, the Astros, the Cardinals, the athletics. I mean, those are, 
Those are analytic-driven contracts across the board, essentially. You know what I mean? Especially with the Cardinals, who basically rebuilt on the fly. We're supposed to be terrible. They were terrible for half the year, and, and Darnell made it into the NLCS. So, I, yeah, I, it's hard to look away from, you know, the spotlight in front of you, which is, you know, just listen to the data and keep on pushing. And if the data says we need to streamline our, our, our farm systems and our prospect, you know, levels to get ourselves to a point where we can actually pay – 19-year-old Pete Alonzo, right? Or 20-year-old right. Ronald Acuna Jr., $100 million. If, if that's what's going, if that that's the shift the game is going, and I think it is, I mean, I think you'd agree with that, right? I think there's there's a likelihood that the Pete Alonzos and the Cody Bellingers, who are nowhere near free agency eligible, are going to get paid right now before, maybe even before some of these free agents, maybe before Anthony Rendon signs, right? Right. I mean, it's possible that that's the, the way base, these baseball teams are viewing their rosters, where where if we pay, you know, who we have to team, more team-friendly deals, which is what they are. I mean, Ronald Acuna at $100 million for eight years is nuts when, when you think about the production he's going to give you for those eight years. Um, you know, if the Mets can do that, think about what they did two years ago, three years ago with Uena Cespedes, over, you know, $110 million over four years, uh, way better value, <laughs> right, to get 21-year-old Pete Alonso at an eight-year eight for $110 million than – Yohannes so Cespedes said four for 110. And, and right. that story has just kind of been across the board. That's one example. There are dozens of examples of reasons not to pay the veterans. And it's a scary situation for all sports. Look at football's going through this. Really, the only sport that's not is basketball, and it's because the players run the whole damn thing, right? Um, right. Certainly hockey. I mean, my goodness, the hockey is built off kids right now, and the kids are only getting what they, the maximum amount of pay that the league says they can get. I mean, that's all set in stone. Baseball's still kind of free will with the money, right? You can get what you can get. It's just nobody's going to give it to you right now. Right, yeah, and once, I mean, we talk about analytics. I mean, analytics have been around in baseball for a long time, but they've really only taken grip here recently, and we've we've now sort of had this period of time to assess that the money that's being associated with these analytics and the contracts that are being doled out because of it, like they've been pretty accurate and they it's, it's been working for the most part, but that's mostly been just on an individual player level. Now, once the, most of these organizations see that on a broader level and build their entire team and or organization around that, I think that's when you're really going to start to see well, these contracts change in the baseball. second the I mean, Astros won in 2017, Dan, everything broke, right? Well, and I was going to say, that's a perfect example is, uh, I think we're going to talk about this article a little bit later about what teams are going to lose, you know, in terms of free agency here, but the Astros are a really great case, you know, to look at with this because they have all these big time players and they won a world series, went to another one. And Typically, teams try and keep those guys, but a lot of those guys are now getting to an age where analytics say it's not smart to keep those guys. And the Astros organizationally have a ton of minor league young depth that they can bring up. So they're going to be at a, at a pressure point in terms of whether they show loyalty to the Altuve's, the George Springer's of their organization that have got them to where they're at, or whether they move on in, you know, in lieu of their young talent and move forward like that. Whereas other teams would have sold a lot of that, you know, you know, the giants, the, the San Francisco giants are a good, you know, case study in this of a few years ago yes. where they had great success. They felt like their window was still open where they committed to a number of those veteran players and traded away talent to, to, to bolster their depth on those two. And now we're seeing the repercussions of that where, they're, they're essentially nowhere. They have all these huge contracts on the books. They're not good. They have no minor league, you know, system essentially. So they're kind of the old school, whereas the Astros, I think, are going to be super interesting to see where they take this in the next couple of years because of everything I, I, I had just laid So out. this is exactly the situation that I had discussed with the Los Angeles Rams in football. The Rams had done everything right. They drafted properly. In the order you're supposed to draft these guys positionally, right? I mean, they didn't get golf until they needed them. They moved up and got them. They sat I mean, it was Jeff Fisher sat them down, which I think was beneficial. They built everything else up around them. They got to, they got to the top, right? I mean, they're a Super Bowl contending team. Um, and now at a point where we all sort of looked at them before this year and said, eh, you know, the window might be, might be slamming shut here. They signed golf to an extension. 
They trade for Jalen Ramsey. They abandon two first-round picks. That's, that's the scenario that teams can't get themselves into anymore. You're right. Houston has done this twofold. Not only have they built this thing from the ground up, and now they're reaping the benefits, but they replenished their, their farm system somehow in the middle of all this by moving on from little pieces, almost like a, like a Patriots kind of way, right, Dan? You find those one or two guys that you know you can spin at the right time, even in the middle of the season, and it keeps those, at, those prospect assets alive. So you're right. They're, they're built to turn this thing over completely if they want to, and I think for a good, a good portion of it, they're going to. I think, I think George Spinner does not get a contract in Houston. I think, um, you know, for the most part, you build around Altuve and a couple of pitchers, and that's what they're probably thinking as well, right? Obviously, Bregman. Again, Bregman on a ridiculously, you know, strong value rookie extension contract, so nothing to really worry about there. They're not going to pay anybody $200 million, though. They don't have to. For every, all the reasons you just said, it, it, it was as important to them to build up and win as it was to replenish the farm system to make sure they can do it again in five years. That's, and that's how right. you have to think right now. And, and just, to, just to support that, too, I, the, the analytics side, it's, it seems like that's even trickled over to the trades that the Astros make where they identify these players with raw tools that they think they can develop, the Garrett Coles of the world, and they 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 pay almost zero. I mean, I don't want to say zero. They pay very little in prospect currency to get these guys. They it, it, the Cole deal in hindsight was they gave up almost nothing. Um, yeah. So so even that. Whereas before to get this this prized possession, if you will, for a year or a year and a half, where teams would cough up all of their prospect capital, it's kind of reverted to that where the trade market a year or two year, a year or a year and a half out, these guys have very little value. They're, they're not going to bring a whole lot back. So I, I, I think even, you know, not to keep tooting, you know, going to bat for the Astros, but Cheaters. Um, yeah, exactly. But um, how they've done it is really something to, to look at going forward on, you know, how they're going to maintain this too. And if they're going to, they're going to stay, um, you know, committed to the plan. It, 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 we've seen these plans work out. It's just, we haven't really, seen anyone stick it through if you will you know like the the cleveland browns for instance like if you can talk about that not to get sidetracked but um you know they gutted it did analytic based stuff and then their owner just didn't have you know the patience to to see it through now whether that would have worked or not is is a totally different story but um i I think you can you know you can reference that across sports i I do think dan another element of the you mentioned the trades with the astros it's not so. It's not just that they're trading. A lot of teams are trading now. Teams are finally starting to figure out that that is the preferred way to acquire talent because you can, you can pick and choose and, and fill a need immediately, right? And, and it's on your terms. You know, you you set the parameters. And if that player needs a new contract, then that's on you going forward. But um, it's the timing of the trades. The Houston Astros have not been afraid to be eighty percent of themselves in April, and that's important, right? You mentioned the Browns, for instance, in football. The Browns went all in in March and April in the offseason in the NFL. They, 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 they made every trade they, they thought they should make. They signed every player they wanted to sign. They had ample assets to do so. But that's not always the best approach. It's just not. Sometimes you have to see what 80% looks like so you can figure out what the, what the rest of the 20% is going to be. And they've done that twice now. Two offseasons, you know, they made small little moves to sort of either replenish what they had or upgrade what they had on, on small levels. They let this thing ride out through June, and then in July, they went out and found the one piece that they felt they were missing, and it's worked twice. I think that's a phenomenal philosophy. So uh, to me, it's not so much that you're making the trade, but it's when you're making the trade, and uh, we'll see if that's impactful going forward for, as well. Yeah, great point, great point. All right, let's, uh, let's talk about these big contracts that do or don't exist. As of right now, there are 40 $100 million-plus contracts in baseball. Obviously, there's a few more to come, but just how much more to come is kind of the important thought here. Um, I ran a five-year scope on, on $100 million contracts in the league. We were, at a, we were at a high last year with 45, thanks to Harper, Machado, and Patrick Corbin in free agency. Um, so let's say we're at 40 now. Let's say there's three more this offseason, Dan. Let's say Garrett Cole gets it. I think that's a guarantee. I think it's a guarantee that Rendon gets $100 million plus, right? And then I think it's a maybe on, on Steven Strasburg. Am, am I incorrect in thinking that? I just Boy, don't know how, how long of a contract Strasburg can get. Yeah, I, I think 
the average will and going forward talking about 100 million dollar contracts is definitely going to shift a little bit too because i know we're both yeah. on board with with these contracts being shorter term higher dollars higher so, averages uh, yes. yeah so i mean uh, strasburg if a if a team wants to could easily clear 100 million dollars on a three-year contract if you know if a team was willing to do that now i, I see your point I, I personally think he will fetch more than that i mean he he punted uh, an option that was, I think, more than that already. So I, I, I would, I'd have a hard time seeing him get less than that. But I, I your points duly noted. I mean, it, it makes perfect sense that somebody might not want to commit the length plus the the average amount on him. But yeah. um, the other guys all that on, I, I they're definitely going to get. 100. I think I think a guy like Bumgarner is going to struggle to get a hundred. I think Zach Wheeler will struggle to get a hundred just because of the length won't be there, right? Yeah, totally. I, I, Baumgartner is a perfect example of, you know, a, a Pujols type player where you feel like you're paying for past production, yes. even though, um, you know, the current market says he he earned, you know, he deserves X amount of money based on what he's produced. But, you know, you really can't project that going forward for, you know, a guy of his age and, and um, you know, the miles he has on his arm. So so here's the point I wanted to get to. And it's just a quick stat, a little fun fact here. Um, but, you know, also pretty it's evidence of where we are right now with free agency in Major League Baseball. I, I actually ran back 10 years, 10 years of $100 million contracts. Uh, all 10 of those years, there were at least 40 players. Okay, at least 40 players played the season with a $100 million contract for the last 10 years. Um, there's 40 right now. We think three more are getting one. So we're, we're, we think we're going to be at 43. Now we could, like I said, there could be a Pete Alonzo and a Cody Bellinger that sneak in and bring this number higher. My point is... Of those 40, four of them are about to expire after this year. So if only three, if we only get three new ones and four expire, it means we'll be under 40 for the first time next year, this, this time next year, which is – that's something because you're right. Average salaries are getting higher, right? I mean, we're at $35 million right now with the Grinkies and the Scherzers, um, and we think Garrett Cole is going to push 40, right, maybe 38, 37-ish. Rendon will be up there in the 35s. And Strasburg's annual average should be way up there based on, you know, the need. He won't be going five years out, I don't think, so it'll be four years at a higher price. So as the average annual salary rises, it should be easier as heck to get the $100 million. So if we have our lowest point ever this time next year, now, now we know there's officially something happening. And it's not just, you know, teams are waiting things out to, to let that price drop. They flat out don't want to make that the nine digit, uh, the nine digit cash in, right. They don't want to pay that nine digits. Um, I don't know. Is it, is it, do you think they're thinking like we are right now, Dan, where shorter and higher impact is better. It seems to be going that way. I mean, I feel like me and you have been talking about this together for forever that we've been craving this. Like, I, I, you know, I don't care if you make $40 million if it's only for one year, because that takes all the long-term risk out of it. But, um, based on what you just laid out there, it does seem like teams are starting to shift towards that. Mm -hmm. Um, now if that will be the trend going forward, that's to be determined, I guess. But, um, you know, all it takes is one team to get a little crazy on, on someone's market for, you know, to break this conversation in half. But, um, yeah, I think, I think teams are going to go there. I mean, like the, the Bryce Harper deal, what, what bugged me so much about it is, 13. is the term 13 years. <laughs> like do, think about what you were doing 13 years ago and how much has just changed in your me, life. It's just no, lazy. Man. It's just lazy. Oh, like I don't want to, I don't yeah. want to deal with this contract crap anymore. Just make it as long right. as possible. That's just lazy. So I, I, it's not even the 300 or 330 or whatever he got. I, it's not even the number to me. I mean, if that was at eight years, even I would, you know, I would think differently about it, but it's just this term. We have seen it time and time again with these 10 year contracts that it, it just doesn't work out The play. The player you signed is not the player that, that finishes that contract. So, um, yeah, I, I mean, I, I would like to think baseball is heading that direction. <laughs> you, you know, that might, secede a little bit of like player and team loyalty type stuff. If you have a guy who's, you know, who's changing teams every year or two years because he's just chasing the highest contract. But, um, you know, in terms of building a team long-term, I, I think that that helps you with the most flexibility. You know, that's what we see is these teams back themselves into a corner, you know, uh, not to beat on the giants again, but the giants yeah. who have essentially no out, they have, 
they can't give up players unless they're just literally giving them up for nothing. But at that point, they're still paying part of the contract and, you know, they don't have prospects to give up or include or where, where are you then? You know, so that that's I, I think teams will eventually get there. That goes back to us, like, you know, this organizational level, you know, a high, broad level. If teams are going to change how they build these teams, you know, their organizations. So. so let me put a bow on this. I mentioned there's 40 current $100 million contracts in baseball. I found almost half <laughs> that I hated. And I bet you that's what front office executives are looking at as well. I don't think you're going to goff at any of these names. Giancarlo Stanton, eh, right? Joey Votto, Albert Pujols, Robinson Cano, Zach Grinke, Jason Hayward, Chris Davis, Buster Posey, John Lester, Cole Hamels, Sinshu Chu, Johnny Cueto, Jordan Zimmerman, Joanna Cespedes, Evan Longoria, Kyle Seeger, and Dustin Pedroia. That, that's, that's not good. <laughs> that's no. not good. If I'm Detroit and I know I've got, you know, Miguel Cabrera locked in for another seven years, seven years, I've got pool holes for two more in Los Angeles. I, I mean, Chris Davis got booed off the field last year. He's got $100 million left to make it in that contract. I mean, there's... The stories are bad, and oh, by the way, I didn't even mention, you know, the, the Jacoby Ellsbury situation. He's finally released out of the Yankees. They're going to pay him $26 million to go away. They paid him $153 million in total, and he played 500 out of 920 games for them. So that's all of those reasons. This is, this is what we're talking about here, right? Essentially, you can get four good years out of a player on any contract, any veteran contract. So you get through six years of pre-arbitration or arbitration. You get to your free agency season. Teams are looking at this like, all right, we've got four good years with you. Are we going to pay you six to get you in the door? Because I don't think they're paying eight anymore, eight years. Don't, do you? I just don't think that's happening anymore. I, I don't think it's going to happen very often, no. I mean, I, we, I mean we, is, is Rendon getting eight years, Dan? I'm going to keep pitch, I'm going to keep pitchers out of this. I really am because I think pitchers right. probably are worth their buck right now. The the top echelon pitchers, if you want to give them 10 years, do it. I mean, I wouldn't. Garrett Cole's 30. I wouldn't. Zach Wheeler's 29. Don't do it, you know. Yeah, I I'm torn on this. I I mean, whether teams are actually going to, you know, prove us right here and do it. I again, it takes one team, somebody he's he's relatively young he's produced i, I feel like he he might get that eight year deal but is it going to pay off in the long run probably not it'll be good for the next couple of years but i mean he's 29 um, going to be 30 right. for next season right i mean yeah you can't go more than eight you just can't go more than eight right which is again to our point just jack up the average dollars if you want to and go shorter term but um you know these team these players are looking for uh long term stability sometimes more well, than more more than the dollars let's so. finish let's finish with that because let's be realistic the, the 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 names i just mentioned that laundry list of names i just mentioned those those were phenomenal players at one point right i mean outside of chris davis <laughs> right let's be fair here. absolutely yeah. Those were phenomenal players. Those were all of those players were on a really strong path. Um, nobody, not the player, not the agent, not the team, not the player's mom, thought that they were going to be even half of as productive as they were six years into this contract. Right? It's let's just be realistic here. Right? Anthony Rendon's not going to be a great player at thirty-six years old. He's just not. Yeah. Very few and far between. Right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, the pool holes thing is a perfect example. I mean, the Miguel Cabrera situation might be the most puzzling where, you know, I, what was it? He signed that deal with the Marlins that long locked him in long-term, which was proof, which worked out to be great. But then the, the Tigers turned around towards the end of that deal when he was already 30 plus years old and tacked on a huge extension on top of it. I mean, same that, thing that in just, Milwaukee with, with Ryan Braun. Yeah, yeah it's it ridiculous. just makes no sense. It makes no sense that you sign them to that that great first contract that took away arbitration deals and or arbitration years and free agency years, but then you turn around and and you know kind of double down and on your you know and make a huge mistake. So I mean, I'm, I'm yeah, all for players going more. out and saying I'm getting as much bag as I can get. I, I get it. That's what I mean. That's what they're doing, right? If somebody's dumb enough to give me a ten-year, three hundred million dollar contract, do it, right? I mean, you don't say no to that. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna knock it. Just 
I think everybody needs to have a little bit more logic with this. For instance, I, I look at a team like the Nationals this year who win, who win the World Series. Guys like Isdrubal Cabrera and Howie Kendrick and these role guys, right? They all had big paydays at one point in their careers. They all had, you know, they've made a nice living. I, I bet if you're sitting there talking to him or talking to Albert Pujols, who's happier right now? Do you know what I mean? The, right. the fact that Howie Kendrick has had the flexibility to go to any contending team he's wanted to, he can kind of pick and choose. Even at the trade deadline, I'm sure he can go to any team and say, um, get me out of here. Here's the teams I want to go to. He's just earned that right. You get to a certain point in your career where that's, that really freaking matters. Like I, I have to guess that Pujols is dying in Los Angeles right now. He's dying because he knows he's not the player. He, he's realistic. And his salary is specifically holding back the Angels from being good. Like him and Upton, those salaries are killing that payroll. You don't, why would you want that? I, I understand it's cash in the, in, in the bank account. But from a playing competitive standpoint, don't be an anchor at 36 years old. Don't be a reason that your team can't succeed. I, I just don't understand from a competitive standpoint why players continually put themselves in that spot. Give yourself an out. Yeah, cut your salary is going to get cut in half. In half. There's no question. You're not, you know, Albert Pujols would never make $20 million anywhere else on any team in the world right now. But, but you know, haven't you made enough to where it's all about being competitive and actually enjoying your last few years with a chance to win a freaking championship? I just, to me, to me, be realistic about the six-year window you have and then go and try to be the best version of you from there on. I mean, this there is plenty of money going around, is my point. Yeah. Totally agree. I, I mean, and you saying, tw- you know, Pools getting 20 mil a year, if he had taken shorter term, maybe a team would have been, you know, willing to go more on the average. I mean, just as a hypothetical, maybe they went more on the right. average. And at the end, at the end of eight years, he made as much as he would have Let, at 10 years. Sorry, now, I, I know let's, you're, let's you're hammer on, on that yourself, point. Then. Let's hammer on that. You're right. Anthony Rendon should get four years at $38 million, right? Like I'm going to give you a break. I'm going to, I'm going to I'm going to make this shorter term so you're not locked into me when I'm in my mid 30s. But you're going to bump up the average salary, right? I'm going to make my money right now when I deserve to make it, right? And I'm, and I'm going to make a ton of money. Th- that's right. That's exactly what should happen. In fact, that's what I'm harping on, on Patrick Mahomes to do on the NFL side of it. Don't don't right. sign a seven year extension. No, 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 no. Don't don't do that. All right. You're, you're going to have endorsements till you're blue in the face to make your your side cash. Change the game. Change the Garrett Cole can change the game right now. Go four for 160, right? Right now, do it. You know you've got four great years in you. So if you if you're great in four years and you made 160 million, you have all the control in the world. You can go wherever you want for whatever price you want because a you're still a pretty young kid, and b you've already made a ton of bag, right? Like I, I don't understand. I, I'm, of course I do. You know greed sets in everywhere. You, if you see 300 million dollars, you can't turn away from it. But there's a there's a better way to piece together your career if you're the elite players that we're talking about here. I just think I, I, I would love to see it. I, I, I almost bought a Kirk Cousins jersey the second he signed that contract in Minnesota. <laughs> it was just I'm not a fan at all, but I'm a fan of that contract. I, I think what he did and what his agent put together and we had him on this show. I, I, it's it's a brilliant, brilliant way to do business. And I think Cousins, now really starting to produce too, is going to reap those benefits. He's going to be 32 years old and gets to do this thing all over again. Uh, I think that's the model for a lot of these players, and I hope we see it a little bit in the next couple of months. Yeah, and I mean, just to just to you know, button it up from my end, I I I, I mean, the, the Vikings got crushed for that contract when they signed the it, whole first year. Exact, the whole first yeah. year, yeah, and even the beginning of this year when they were a run first offense. Why are you paying the guy a hundred million dollars over three years? But um, yeah, but guess yeah, what? It's twenty eight million a year now. He's he's ranked like eighth right now in quarterbacks. I mean, that's right. what happens. This stuff is going to, it passes you by, you know, it's like buying a car. You take it off the lot. It's already worth five grand less. Right. I mean, exactly. that's, what, that's yeah. what we're doing here. Let's just live in the moment, live in small windows. There's no more 12 year, you know, there's, there's not even 10 year careers anymore in most of these sports. I mean, just, you know, downsize things, be realistic and get as much as you can in the time where you're actually worth a damn. Yeah. I mean, you know, we're, we're talking about it from the player perspective, but when are the teams going to realize that it's a terrible way to build, you know, that they're basically betting on themselves to be able to construct a team for the length of period that that player is on that organization. I mean, take it back 30 years, you know, wouldn't the people who wanted all their, the money they dumped into savings bond, wouldn't they like that, you know, liquidated to invest in Amazon or something like that (laughs) early on, you know, 
these teams are essentially locking in their money long-term to this one player when they really have no idea what the context of their team or organization is going to look like at that time. In four and, years. And, and that, yes. Exactly. And that GM might not even be there at that, you oh, know, and won't. then another no, GM has to figure it out. So yeah, exactly. I, we're talking about it from a, the player point. The, the team side needs to needs to understand this at some point too. And both sides will see that it is likely mutually beneficial for them to go shorter term higher dollar so yeah that's all i, I think it's just better for the sport as a total all right let's get to this quick article and then uh, call it a day here uh you find a great piece on cbs sports by uh dime perry great baseball follow by the way um this is interesting i, I mean kind of simple in, in terms right it, it basically what he did is you know he took the wars the wins above replacement stats for for all the prospective free agents uh on every team added them up and basically said, all right, who, who's probably out of here, right? In terms of, you know, the Nationals, for instance, are they going to lose Anthony Rendon and Steven Strasburg? Just to start there. Uh, you know, how much war then is, is going out the door? And he did it for every team, and he, and he ranked them based on how much war could be leaving, how much they could be relinquishing in 2020. And, and let's start right there with the Nationals, who, you know, if, if nobody comes back, and I think there's a pretty solid chance that nobody comes back. It, I, I don't know where you are with Strasburg. I'm... I'm sliding closer to 60-40 on him staying. I don't know, I don't know about you. Uh, I thought this was going to get done pretty quickly, as if it was being handled behind the scenes this whole time. That doesn't appear to be the case. The more that this doesn't happen, the more I think he's listening to other offers, You know, starting with San Diego and maybe going around the league a little bit. But uh, he was the one I was kind of sure was going to remain in Washington. But Rendon, Strasburg, Kendrick, Hasdrubal Cabrera, Brian Dozier, Daniel Hudson, the closer... Um, and Jan Gomes, the, the the game seven catcher. So if they lose them all, that's over 21 in war, which is a big number. Yeah, I I personally think one of Rendon or, Stra- or, or Strasburg will be back. Um, it, what the To the point you made about Strasburg, that makes me think that maybe Rendon is their preferred target mm. and Strasburg is a, you know, they want to see what's going to happen with Rendon before they commit to Strasburg, but it could very well just be Strasburg listening to other offers too. But um, I, I have, I mean, that, that management team there, or, you know, the ownership team in Washington is pretty wealthy. I, I have a hard time seeing them let, that team just get totally dismantled after a world series like that. You know, one of their superstar players, just, just two, I'm sorry, two of their superstar yeah. players just walking for nothing. Um, so I, I feel like one will be back if that's holding things up, then, then maybe it is, but I, yeah, I, I agree with you. They could, they could, and probably will lose the majority of uh, the, the guys you just named other than, you know, one of, in my opinion, Rendon or Strasburg. Um, another element here, and they might have to change this to keep this ship running here. They defer a ton of money. They always have. They did it with Strasburg's first contract. They did it with uh, Max Scherzer's contract a ton. They, they off, all the offers for Bryce Harper had major deferred payments on it. Players don't want that. They don't, for all the reasons we've talked about, right, push it down the road and see what happens. They don't want that. They want it now. They want cash in hand that they can guarantee they can invest, that all those things, right? I mean, these guys are all running businesses, I'm sure, on the side. Um, so that's a big system, a contractual structure that Washington might have to forego to keep a guy like Rendon or Strasburg in, in house, because I'm sure that that's a point of contention with their agents right now. So keep an eye on that. Um, Astros are obviously the second team because of Garrett Cole. <laughs> and I, I expect he goes, right? Does anybody think he's coming back? Uh, no, I, I'm not even sure. They, I don't want to say they don't want him back, but I'm not even sure they're seriously wow. considering. Based on what you said, even today. an option there. Yeah, based on what you said today, right? They're they're probably thinking time to roll it over, right? Yeah, I mean, they do have they have an option pot- though? <laughs> I mean, is it is Grinky going to be an, a viable option for them uh, as a number two? I mean, he's locked up, you know, for another year. I'm sure. Oh, as a number two specifically, I I don't know if he's there anymore in his career, but. Um, yeah, it's it's interesting. They do have some minor league yeah. pitchers that could take that next step. They've had a little trouble developing those guys. Um, Keeping so them off the it, reserve suspended list. Well, yeah, that too. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it'll be it, it really will be interesting to see where they go, not only this year, but, you know, 
next year as well. Then the next two years, these are these are pivotal years for the Astros. Yeah, who, who the Astros do and don't pay is going to be very interesting to the whole league because I think as we've laid out here, they sort of set the model uh, for how to get you know from bottom to top, and now maintaining that 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 top ability with new players. I mean, that's that's. That's the Patriots, right? That's the dynasty right. aspect of it that so many teams have failed to figure out in this current generation of sports. Um, we'll see if it's doable. We'll see if it's doable in baseball. I don't know. Yeah, and a number of these guys, you know, the the depth guys beyond Cole that that are on this list, uh, you know, the the crazy thing with the Astros is they could stand to lose Cole and most of these other guys and still be one of the better teams in the AL. I mean, yeah, yeah we would, we would obviously have to wait and see that play out next year, but um, you know, roster in terms of next year specifically um, you know, there's, there's still going to be a contender whether Cole comes back or any of those other well, guys come back or whether they all leave and so. not for nothing, but if they're not going to pay a guy like George Springer, he's going to be on the deadline in July. And, Absolutely. That, and that's how you go and get your next pitcher, right? I mean, that's what you do. That's what you do. So we'll, we'll keep an eye on that for sure. Other names in the top of this list here, uh, essentially, you know, that could lose major impactful players. Uh, the Brewers are next. The Twins are next. The Braves are on this list. And then, of course, the Yankees. But I, if you look at these names on the Yankees list, Dan, uh, I, don't, I don't think they're much worse for the wear, right? I, I think they're going to bring back Brett Gardner. I'm not entirely sure why, outside of he's just been a lifelong Yankee um, and he can still hit and run and play some left field. But I, I kind of thought they were pretty good at outfield. No, am I crazy? Um, yeah, I, I, you're not wrong. This list is not super impressive. Um, no, in terms of guys, they would lose, even though they're, they're six on this list. But, um, I, I guess we've been, we focused on the Astros. The, The Yankees have a similar, um, you know, set up yeah. where they're, they're going to lose some guys, but they can totally stand to lose those guys because of their minor league team. Um, you know, the, the way their minor league system is set up, they have a bunch of guys that can backfill or they can package a bunch of those guys to go out and target a specific player. They, they want to insert on this roster. Um, you know, I do think there's to, a big trade coming. Leaving. I do think there's a big trade coming. I yeah. I, I, I totally agree. It, it's felt like that with the Yankees the last couple of years and they really haven't, pulled the trigger when we thought that they would. So yeah, this would, this would be a perfect time. I, I think they want to give more playing time to, um, you know, some of these young guys. Like I, I think, um, they, they, um, they want Torres at, at shortstop. They don't want to, they don't, they want to remove DD and not have Torres move over to second or play third. You know, they, I think they want to find a home for some of these young guys and give them regular playing time there. So I, I think we'll, like you said, these guys will probably all walk. And, um, I mean, what, with the exception of maybe Gardner, but um, they're going to probably commit to, to the youth movement. going. Yeah. They've got the pieces to, to rebuild as they need to going forward too. Uh, a little lower on the list. I thought the Dodgers are ninth in this list. Uh, they're just, they're, they're crazy young. They are crazy young. Um, they just don't have players that are ready to walk uh, outside of the number two pitcher on the roster, which is Hung Jin Ryu. I don't think Ryu comes back. That's just my personal opinion. I think there's uh, other teams that need him more. I think in a similar fashion to the Yankees, the Dodgers have even more kids. They want to get in the lineup right now. Um, I do think uh, sneaky good, sneaky uh, late team for Anthony Rendon, Dan. Sneaky. Interesting. Doesn't seem like they need a third baseman because they've loved Justin Turner for a bunch of years now. I think the Justin yeah. Turner era is probably closing. Um, well, yeah, and they, and they've t- there's been some open discussion. His defensive metrics yeah. has kind of fallen off over where he used to be a stone cold third baseman, and it, it sounds like they want to get him over to play first base more. So, um, no, I actually read a uh, uh, an article about um, Chris Bryant possibly, you know, he, that he's that he's on the trade market, and it listed the Dodgers as one of the the potential suitors. Which, you know, to your point, I th- I thought was super interesting. You know that that there's, you know, between Rendon, not, I don't think he's an option there, but just saying that <laughs> they're a team that could match up. With Call me a liar. Base. No, no, I just, <laughs> I just think where I, there's, where there's a, uh, somebody who needs money, there's always the Dodgers. That's generally how it goes. So I, I, I guarantee they get involved at some point here. Yeah. The Cubs are interesting because the Cubs are 10th on this list just with free agents. And I think the biggest discussion, as you kind of alluded to was there's probably three, four major players that they want to trade right now. So we could see a major upheaval in, in Chicago after really a three-year run where they were the, 
the sort of the next iteration of the Astros, to be honest. I mean, they had they had sort of figured this out from the ground up, and then it just sort of imploded. And uh, we'll see. I, I don't think they need to sell, generally. Maybe a couple of pieces, maybe one or two pieces. I, I just don't think they have to break it all up. It just... Guys just got to play better ball. It just seems like on that team, they you know get stay healthy and play some ball. I, I, I don't really think Theo Epstein needs to, you know, destroy that thing from the ground up. But we'll see, we'll see. I know you're not a fan. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's <laughs> so personal. I won't make you comment on the Cubs without bias. So. Uh, that's personal. All right, this is good. I'm going to tweet out this this link so we can t- everybody can take a look at it because I think it's really interesting to see the impact of the players that are set to be lost uh, and maybe who you think might want to stay. And then outside of that, we'll be back whenever somebody signs a contract because, you know, Will Smith, three years, $39 million to the Braves is fine, and it's actually going to help him. And as a Mets fan, I'm miserable about it. Um, but that's it. That's really all we've got to hang our hat on right now. So, uh, you know, when some of these other players start to at least negotiate and have some teams in mind and all that good stuff, we'll see. Maybe January. Uh, we'll be back to do this again. But hopefully it's a uh, more contract-based show then and not just some uh, minutia. But this was good, Dan. Yeah. Yeah, awesome, awesome to be on. Yeah, the Braves have uh, the whole reliever market cornered. It seems like so. Uh, we'll see what uh, you know. What teams wanna, they're going to get a starter too. Later. I, that's a Madison Bumgarner spot, don't you think? Yeah, 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 I do. I do like that. Yeah. Today's episode is brought to you by the Athletic. The Athletic is a subscription-based sports news site delivering in-depth sports coverage for real fans. Get detailed coverage of every trade free agent signing and storyline on your team, as well as expert analysis from national writers like Ken Rosenthal, Michael Lombardi, and Pierre Lebrun, plus deep insights from analytic gurus and former team execs like John Hollinger and Seth Partnow. Great stats, guys. Join today. Get 40% off your yearly subscription by going to theathletic.com slash spottrack 40 off. That's theathletic.com slash S-P-O-T-R-A-C 40-O-F-F. All right, my special thanks to Cousin Dan. Always fun talking baseball with him. He's a, as big a baseball nut as I am. And like I said, there's not much impactful happening in free agency, but, you know, this minor league story is not going to go away. I think this is going to be a big deal as baseball sort of tries to restructure itself and figure out, the, you know, the next 10 years of what they're going to look like. So keep an eye on this. We'll be talking about that for more, I'm sure. Get some uh, take from Kevin and Paul on that as well. We'll be back with some NFL next week, some NBA next week. Everything's starting start to heat up a little bit. We're going to have some uh, playoff picks. And as the year and the decade sort of dies down here, we're going to start looking back. Best and worst contracts, draft picks, all that fun stuff. We'll, uh, we're going to have some fun shows to finish out in December here, and we'll, uh, we'll love your, your feedback and your input and suggestions as well. Thanks for listening to another edition of the Spot Trek Podcast.